Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Norman Thomas. These teachings are designed to empower you to live a higher quality of life. Take a few minutes to receive a deposit of godly wisdom for your day. We're talking about abundance. And you were born rich when you were born again. You were born rich when you were born again. It's, it's just like it was where it concerns your health. You were born healed when you were born again. When you were born again, yes. you were born healthy. Yes. Now, you may say, I was born in 1992. I was born in 2003. I was born in 1960. Well, that was your natural birth. That was your natural birthday. But you also have a spiritual birth. And you have a time in which you were born spiritually. Am I right? Go to John chapter 3, please. I'm done. This is not on your handout. It's not on the, on the uh, slide. But John chapter 3, I want to read something to you. Chap, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees, his name was Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, so now here's an admission. He is admitting that not only does he know that Jesus is a teacher sent from God because the Pharisees were one of Jesus' most hostile opposition. Pharisees were a, a political religious group. They were out to protect and to preserve the culture of the Pharisees. They dominated and they manipulated. They had great power political power because of their religious positions. Jesus came totally contradicting all of their teaching. He was their biggest threat to losing control over the people. And so their objective was to ensure that Jesus was shut down. His ministry was shut down if it meant Killing him, so be it. If it meant incarcerating him, so be it. They were constantly, they were in his meetings. They, were, they, were, they would plant themselves in his gatherings. And they would raise their hands to ask controversial questions to see if they could get him to say something that would violate their law so that they could accuse him and drag him to court and incarcerate him. And so Nicodemus is one of these guys. So he waits till nightfall, and he makes a visit to Jesus, and he says, we, we know, we know. This is an admission that the entire school of Pharisees 
knew that he was genuinely the son of God. But because of political reasons and for reasons of power, they could not afford to endorse him as such lest they would become insignificant and irrelevant to the people. See, it's something similar is going on today that religion has mounted itself as the voice for God. And whenever the word goes forth in truth and power, there's an effort to always try to shut that down. Because if we allow that to happen, then what will happen to our institution? What will happen to our denomination? What will happen to our association? We will become irrelevant. Well, the only way to not be irrelevant is to be relevant. And to be relevant means start answering questions that people are asking today. And stop answering questions that people are no longer asking. You understand that? And that's, that's got to be the objective of the church today. The objective of the church today Stop answering questions that people were asking 100 years ago, 50 years ago. Let's see if we can answer some questions that are being asked today. Amen. And that makes the church relevant. And that, that ties real life to the word of God and brings solution to real life from the word of God. And people can see God as the source and as a power of good for their lives. You understand that? Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Come on, put your hands together for real now. So now look at this. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're, you, you're a teacher. And you come from God. Because nobody can do the miracles that you do except they come from God and God be with them. He says, so Jesus answered and said to him, Verily I said unto you, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was a little bit confused. He says, now wait, how can a man be born when he's old? You telling me to be born again? He says, I, I can't enter into my mother's womb a second time and be born. Jesus answered, he says, verily, verily, I said unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, come on, is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit, come on, now you were born of the flesh, but as a believer in Christ, you were also born of the spirit. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, again, not on your handout, but let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, now this is what happens. Please put that in the Amplified Translation for me. When a man or woman is born again, when they surrender their, their life, their heart to God, and they yield their life to God to be used by God for whatever he chooses, to subscribe to God's plan for their life, here's what happens. If any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, what happens to him? Come on, what happens to him? He is a new creation. He is a, read this with me, a new creature altogether. 
Say born again. So when you came into Christ, I know you physically was not reborn, but you were spiritually born. You became a new creature all together. Now to be a new creature, say a new creature. New creature. To be a new creature all together means that you are no longer what you was. You're no longer what you used to be. You're no longer the same. So, you know, when you say, when people test you and they, they, they rub you wrong, you say, no, you know, I hadn't been saved long. <laughs> well, that really doesn't line up with this, what we're saying here. You know, sometimes people will say, you know, you know don't, don't, don't push me. You know, uh, they say, God's still working on me. <laughs> you know, no, he, he's, no, I'm not, he said. He says, when you came into me, you became a new creature. You became a new creature. Come on, you became a new creature at that moment and that time. Now your mind has to catch up. Your mind, your mind might be lagging behind. Your spirit has changed. But now your mind needs to get caught up, and that's what the Bible is for. The Bible is designed to catch up your mind with your nature. And that's why you don't just read this, you meditate this. Because when you meditate this, it renews, it changes the way you think, it elevates your thought life. It brings you into another place of seeing and believing. So he says, you're a new creature. You may not look like one in the mirror when you look at yourself, but that's the flesh you. But the spirit you it's brand new. And now you have become something you have never been before. You are something you have never been before. Opportunity awaits potential waiting for you. Because I'm new. The devil said, no, you're not, you did this, you did that. No, none of that's relevant. None of, you remember last month? It's irrelevant. You remember last year? Irrelevant. I'm new. See, and the devil knows it, but he's counting on you not, not believing it because you keep looking at the flesh you. Take your eyes off the flesh you. Put your eyes on the spirit you and declare... I am new. Come on, say, I am new. He says, the old previous moral spiritual condition has passed away. Don't we say that when somebody died? They, they, they what? They passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. You have been born again. And when you were born again, you were born healthy. You were born wealthy, you were born wise. Come on, say, I am healthy, I am wealthy, and I am wise. And give God praise, come on, because we're receiving it. Now, what we're doing is catching our minds up to our health, our wealth, and our wisdom. We're catching our minds up to our 
new nature. We're no longer what we used to be. So when you were born again, you were born rich. You might as well get used to it. So I have this statement on, on your handout. It says, if you desire a life of success, this message is for you. If you desire a life of success, this message is for you. If you desire to positively impact the world around you, this message is for you. If you desire to release the potential within you, this message is for you. If you desire the abundance that has been granted to you by God, this message is for you. If you desire to be a blessing, to those around you, this message is for you. So my question to you, is this message for you? <laughs> okay, so then let's go. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, I have it in four different translations because I really want you, this is not a new scripture. This is a scripture you've heard before. But I really want us to get it. I really want us to, I want it's, it's, it to become the fiber of our being. I don't want to just have church here. I want us to understand God's intent and God's plan for us and what it means. The money thing and church, the money and church thing has been so, so misrepresented. But God is interested in you succeeding. He's interested in you uh, living in abundance and he's interested in you walking in the wealth that he has provided you because there's a purpose for it. So 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 in NIV, it says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor. Why? So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Why? So that you, come on, read with me, through his poverty, come on. That was about half of you, come on. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now, personalize and say, me, so that I say ah yeah I so ready no wait ready read so that I through his poverty might become rich all right it's in the Bible right there now the only contention that has been held with this scripture in relationship to abundance is that the word rich doesn't mean rich materially that it means rich spiritually well. Just on the surface, that don't make any sense. Not even to mention that that's a wrong and improper and inaccurate analysis and interpretation of that scripture. But 
if that meant materially rich, then it has to be, it has to remain true throughout the whole scripture. You can't switch it halfway. So it would also mean that though he was, let's just say, materially rich, yet for your sakes, no, spiritually rich, yet for your sakes, he became spiritually poor. But that don't ever work. Not ever was Jesus spiritually poor. So is either one or the other. Okay? But that's, that's really beside the point. All you got to do is do your homework, go research the word, look it up in the Greek, and you'll see it means rich, enriched, abundantly supplied. The next translation, please. The Message Bible, it says, you're familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. Come and say, he became poor, he became poor and I became, rich. I became rich. Next translation, please. The CEV translation says, you know that our Lord Jesus Christ was kind enough to give up all his riches and become poor so that you could become rich. And I think we have one more. The Amplified, he was so very rich, yet for your sake, he became so very poor in order that by his poverty, you might become enriched and abundantly supplied. Enriched and abundantly supplied. The, the definition of the word rich means abundantly supplied. That's what it means, abundantly supplied. That's the, the definition of, of rich. Now, then the question comes, okay, so when was Jesus poor? When did all this happen? Because people like to tell us that they use scriptures like he had nowhere to lay his head, that he was homeless. That's not true, and I ain't got time to explain all that. But what we do know, that when Jesus was born, there were wise men that arrived, and they arrived with valuable wealth. Now, on Christmas cards, you'll see three wise men, and in songs, they'll sing about three wise men, but the Bible never mentions three. Never. We made that up. It just says wise men. We made up three. There could have been 40, 50, 100, 1,000 of them. They were all on, on camels packing. You got to see a camel like an 18-wheeler today. They, they carried cargo. And they came with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In that day, myrrh was more expensive than gold, more valuable than gold. So the wealth that they came to Jesus with was astounding. It was so astounding, Joseph was able to obey the Lord and drop his carpentry business and move out the city and be sustained the whole time he was gone. <laughs> it was so, it was, there was, it was so much that Jesus, as he grew up and became an adult, had to assign himself a treasurer. 
For more information and more extended teachings from Dr. Thomas, visit normanthomas.org.